Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Christine Miles. Christine is an executive coach, thought leader, entrepreneur, recognized world expert in the field of listening differently, and the author of the book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? The Power of Understanding to Connect, Influence, Solve, and Sell. For over 25 years, Christine has been helping executive individuals and families expand human connections, transforming businesses and lives. Christine has her master's in psychology from the University of Pennsylvania and is the founder and CEO of Equipped, which helps organizations apply human skills to drive results and build cultures of empathy. We're excited to have Christine with us today to discuss the power of listening. Christine, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. It is really nice to have you. You know, I love letting our listeners learn a little bit about you right out of the gate. And I'd love to hear about maybe your proverbial why behind recognizing the importance of listening in your life and then the impetus to create a whole professional life with this focus. Well, we all have that why. It's in there somewhere. That's yeah, so to head it off at the past, one of the things about listening is that you have to learn to listen to yourself. So that is part of the work, which is discovering your own story, not just the story of others. And I, I write about that in the book. And for me, just like everybody else, it starts very young. Uh, I, I remember at eight, somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, a psychologist, not that I knew what that really was, but, and while I'm not a, a licensed psychologist, I do have that background, but it really started very young. I was five. Mm. I grew up with a mother who had psychological issues stemming from the loss of her mother from childbirth. Mm. So she had a very early childhood loss. My mother was charismatic and funny and loving and warm. And she had all this pain that went on below the surface that most people didn't see. Mm. And my job in the family for some benefit and also some trauma <laughs> was to understand her pain that most people didn't see. So I learned to pay attention and listen on a different level very, very early growing up with my mother and, and my father, who was also quite a good listener in his business and in his private life. So I knew as early as high school that I was achieving things that I shouldn't be achieving because of this skill. And that's been consistent throughout my life. It's also what I've seen and why people have failed at things, leadership, relationships, parenting. And so the, the reason I created the business is that it's really hard to do something that you've never been taught to do. And we need to start really teaching people the how how to listen differently, what it looks like and how to do it and provide them the tools so that they can be more successful than they are in these realms. When you say it like that, when you think about communication in general, it's a learned and typically modeled skill. And we typically focus on crafting the message just so, you know, such that we can get others to understand us fully. And, and, and we're even admonished at times for being vague or imprecise or unclear, but we rarely address the complementary side, the other side of that same coin, the part about and the importance of the listening side. Why is that, do you think? You know, I, I don't know. Other than I read an article from Harvard Business Review that said, you know, that we we all think we're better at it than we, we actually oh, yeah. are, like our driving. But if I asked you if you're a good driver, you probably say, yeah, pretty good. My, the partner may say otherwise. 
that's how it is with listening as well. And I think because we have ears, we think listening is just going to happen like walking. And it's, it, you said it already, it is a skill, just like crafting the message. The difference is we're taught to craft the message since we're in elementary school. Tell, 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 become knowledgeable. You go to, into corporations, it's product sales, anything. It's all about crafting the message. Yes. So there's a tell to listen, but there's not a modeling or a way to listen from a very young age. My mission and my company's mission is to change that paradigm that we need to start teaching children young and give them the language of listening so they can have the complementary skill. It's interesting what you're inferring right there is, you know, in companies, we're going to grow if we can brand our model just right and people get it, you know, or we're going to be successful in a relationship. If I can just get you to understand me, and if I can just do that precisely, and you're doing the same thing, and unknowingly, we're almost kind of wrestling to see who can have the clearest message with the idea that that's what's going to be progressing us, whether relationally or in business, financially, and that's going to be success. But what gets underemphasized is the very thing you're talking about. But if we're not listening, maybe we are missing out. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to that piece then. So what are we missing out on by not, you know, learning or being taught and and, and not consciously committed to being an active and a good listener? What gets missed in the cost of that? So I titled the book, The Problem, because people don't know what it's costing them not to listen. Because again, if you're not told what good listening is, and it's assumed, why would you think it's a problem? Like we all have that, oh, my wife or my boyfriend says I don't listen, but they don't, tuning into that differently is the biggest problem. So I call it death by a thousand cuts. We <laughs> wound people every day uh, until there's a bleed out and the relationship's over, or there's so much hurt caused. So you know, you walk into a sales meeting and if you don't understand the customer and help them feel understood pretty quickly, you're not going to get a second meeting. Really good. In relationships, we have more time and we we erode that so much. To piggyback on what you said, we go in to be understood. And I, I fundamentally think that what we should be doing is going in to understand, not to be understood. That's the paradigm shift. I'm going to go in and I don't care what I have to say. I care about understanding you and that's what I call the gift of understanding. And that transcends business, it's relationships. Frankly, I think it's the world and how to make it a better place. Yeah, that, that is beautiful. You know, you've trained individuals and organizations on how to listen in ways that transform how they can connect, mm -hmm. influence, solve, succeed in various aspects of life. And personally, I've, I've studied and written about this construct of knownness, it kind of goes into working to be understanding of, not understood. And I believe our most probably distilled down core need is to experience and fully realize all that is possible by being truly known by another. You know, what are, what I'm curious as to your thoughts about this. What is the importance that you found of having someone experience truly being known? Well, you're, you're taking me back to my mother's experience. And I think why I tuned into it so much because she didn't have a mother. And so she wasn't known by the most fundamental person in your life. And she never got over that pain. And it's, it was so deep. And I think her not being known, you know, obviously she missed on knowing me in some ways. So there's, even though there was parts of her that was so tuned in. So when you know somebody, even if it's for a minute, it, it is deeply powerful. Yeah. It is validation. It is feeling seen. It is 
the 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 feeling that you are the the other person is important and and again that's why it's a gift and i think it's a gift that we can so easily give so i think it's everything i think it's everything to I, see I think it's, who I they are I, I think right there it's everything everything it's that 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 knownness that gift of just looking to understand it it is everything so well, let's let's tangent just for fun you're talking about how we get wounded by not being listened to and it happens all the time whether we rec recognize it or not there's almost like little ruptures death all by a time. thousand cuts that oh you didn't quite get me or you didn't get the full the, the the full part of me and i learned how to kind of roll with that and i go along to get along and i just let it go but there's these little cuts some deeper than others maybe and then we kind of bleed out at some point and 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 we go through really challenging things by not being fully known. Here's a quick tangent. What is the difference between listening to understand and listening to be right? What What do you see in that? Because sometimes I'm I'm listening and and I'm sometimes not even listening. Sometimes I'm reloading, you know, so I can come back. <laughs> so I can come back well, when you're done. Very honest of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think there's very little to do. Understanding and agreement have very little to do with one another. And so I think that letting go of that notion, first of all, the best way you can reload and convince is to understand first. I think you yeah. probably know that, Graham. But our brains get in the way because we respond and we think about what we're disagreeing about. But the goal of understanding is to, to just deeply understand even the most counter thoughts to what you believe. And when you do that, as great negotiators do, agreeing doesn't mean I can't get you. I can say, let me see if I get you and and explain what you explained to me. And then I can say, now is it all right if I tell you how I feel, what I think, what I believe? They're, they're, they're two different things. Yeah. I, I love that piece. It's, it's working to understand, not be understood. Mm -hmm. And working to understand does not necessarily equal having to come to a place of agreements. It's not one cancels out the other. It's being able to hold both. And there's an art in that. But you're also con conveying something, Christine, that this is a big ask. Mm -hmm. to, to listen, it's a big ask. It's a sometimes Herculean. What makes listening so difficult, mm -hmm. even though it's such a critical part, the other side of the coin of communication? Why is it so difficult? Well, the greatest enemy of listening is our brains. So we have a subconscious brain that is going absolutely wild and is a superpower. And that superpower is limbic. It's emotional. It's telling us a story all the time. And so we're fighting our own stories when we're listening. A lot of people say, I'm listening and I'm thinking about what I, that happened to me. <laughs> and should I share that story? Right. Or I want to solve the problem or I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say. All these things are going wild. And so in the absence of the right tools, it's really hard to calm the brain. So we're winging it because we haven't been taught. So it is a Herculean task to do that in the absence of skill building. Just as if I said, Grand why don't you go run a marathon? Oh, no, 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 no training runs. Just go do it. You'd right. be like, I might be able to accomplish that, but it's going to not be pretty and I'm going to feel really bad. Yeah. But that's how we're approaching this vital communication and relationship skill. So it becomes less Herculean when you learn how and you're not having to white knuckle it. And if I may just digress for a second, you said something so important about understanding and agreement. Two things drive me crazy. Well, maybe more than that, but these two things specifically. One is when somebody says, I understand. 
nothing tells me more that you don't understand than when you tell me you have true. That's so true. So please take that out of your vernacular, anyone, any right. of you. And and secondly, I can't stand it when people say, let's agree to disagree. Because yeah. I would like it to be, let's agree to understand one another, even if we don't agree. And that's, I love a, different, that. that's a different way of showing up. I don't yeah, have to agree with you, but I can understand what you believe and feel, even if I think it's vile, by the way. And that's a gift in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really that's really good. You know, I think there's I think listening is a Herculean task, and it's a big ask. Like you said, it, there's such an emotional process in our subconscious, unconscious, outside of our awareness that's going on all the time, whether we're we're we're, we're listening to it or not. And it makes it so hard if someone's going down here to be listened to. It's hard to join them sometimes because, well, if I go down here, then they're going to have to be right. Or if I go down here and understand that we all come back up, they're not going to go back and listen to me. They're going to ride off into the sunset and I'm going to right. be, I'm going to be left. Or maybe when I go down there and listen, maybe some things get triggered for me in that limbic brain that I, I don't want to experience. I don't want to feel. It's too hard for me to hold that with you. I love you and I want to join you or I'm committed to this process as a you know colleague, whatever. But for me to hold that, maybe anti what I might believe, or it's hard for me to hold because I'm, I'm triggered in a very, maybe even painful way that, so I become not a very good listener, not because I don't care, but because it's hard for me to stay down at that point. Fundamentally, my experience is that people don't share. They can be impatient and that's a different problem, but well, and, and not all, of course, you know, nothing's black and white that way, but most people care. It's all the things you just described and how do we ever overcome those? What one of the reasons I think it's so important that we start to educate children, not just adults, because one, do you learn to ski at five or 45? I mean, if you learn at five, you're like, you're going down the slope at a different rate and in a different way. So why are we exactly. waiting so long in life? And only 2% of people have any kind of listening training. I myself, as a master's level clinician, I was trained through the Philadelphia Child Guidance Center through Mnuchin's protégés. Yeah. Never had a course on listening. I was 22 years old. And I had 20 people behind a one-way mirror and I was doing this work. And the only reason I was, I mean, I knew nothing was because I was credibly listening instead of trying to fix everything. So, so this is why this has to happen sooner. So it's not so Herculean and that we can develop an emotional language that doesn't terrify us because we're not socialized to know what to do with the space of the emotions either, which is part of why it also feels Herculean. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Whether you're a longtime or first-time listener to Behavioral Health Today, you're probably familiar with Triad, the company that brings you this podcast. But you may not know that Triad also hosts a community for current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, featuring trending content and education and career resources, all for free. If you are a behavioral or mental health professional, or you're studying to become one, Join more than 80,000 people on Triad by claiming your free professional account today. Visit us at hellotriad.com slash bht. That's hellotriad.com slash bht. And join the Triad community today. Yeah, we're going to get to the listening path and some of the things you do. But you're talking about in terms of this listening training, through your company Equipped, you, you teach people how to harness emotional intelligence to improve relational outcomes. And I'm assuming our listeners, if you look up the equipped company, the first two letters are capitalized E and Q in your company's name. And I'm trusting that's highlighted 
with the importance of the emotional quotient or our emotional intelligence. Quickly define for us, if you would, EQ and what it is, and what are some of the characteristics and traits that comprise this? You know, I think I read this, so I won't take credit for it, but it's kind of like understanding your moods and your thoughts about your moods. It's both, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. it is having an emotional regulation. There's a lot of there's a lot of things: awareness, uh, others' awareness, self awareness, uh, regulation. It's a complicated construct. Emotional intelligence. It's, the simplest thing to say is it's a different way of being smart, using your emotions to be smart. And my contention is I'm impatient. I don't like arduous, difficult exercises to get to the skill level. And one of the things that listening does is it builds the muscle without you having to really do all this other stuff. So I'm an athlete that likes to chase the ball, but I hate to run. You throw the ball, I'll run all day. You tell me to run, I say, no, no, no. So listening builds EQ naturally. You don't have to force it. It's also like empathy, which is part of EQ. I believe listening leads to more empathy. I have to show up empathetically and then I'll listen. We have it backwards. So when we learn to listen differently in a transformational way with the right tools, the empathy follows rather than, oh, I get you and then I'm going to listen to you. That's almost impossible for some people. We're all wired a little different. Yeah. I, I, I want to highlight those points. You're talking about then our, our EQ, which is something that we're not necessarily born with. There, there are some trait things that we're born with, yeah. but it doesn't equate necessarily to having a high, having a high you know EQ. We're, we're born with our IQ. There's not much we can really do about that. Maybe some fund of information things. But for the most part, you're born with what you got in terms of your IQ. Your EQ, the cool news is we can build this, like you're saying, through listening, we can build our emotional regulation. So part of it is recognizing what I'm feeling. And then modulating and regulating that and holding that long enough to go get an empathic understanding of what the other person is holding and then holding both and finding a way to bring these together in this communication way that you're saying there can be a wonderful exchange that takes place here. And I love what you're saying. You know, sometimes we come into different things in our lives and we think, well, you know, you've just, you've just got to work to forgiveness or you've got to work to acceptance. And that's skipping ahead to some things that say, well, I can't. I'm just so fundamentally different. Or what happened was so egregious, I can't forgive that. However, what you're describing is if you can work first to listen, Mm -hmm. listening equals understanding. Understanding can't help at some point to lead to empathy. And empathy allows whatever next step might be possible, whether it's kind of an acceptance of something from that understanding or maybe it's for some, maybe, maybe I can forgive that now that I understand it in a whole different way. Well, I had a woman come up to me after a workshop. This was probably 10 years ago now. And I had told my story as I often do. And, you know, and she said, you know, I had a mother, I have a mother and she has two personality disorders. My mother was afflicted with some personality problems as you do often when you have early childhood loss. And she said, you're way more understanding than I am. And I said, well, you know, there's, it's not like there wasn't downsides, but I said, my mother's problems, she came by them very honestly. Mm-hmm. I always knew that, you know, that she was set up for it both biologically and environmentally, and it helps a lot. It doesn't mean things that are bad or okay. It just means I can put it in a place that says why it's happening. So mm-hmm. listening is understanding yourself and your own emotions as well as, well as others. And that's the, that's the emotional quotient, but you, you approach it the same way. You approach others and yourself with the same listening process. Yeah. You know, I'd love for our listeners to do a little (laughs) self-check as to whether they see themselves 
as good listeners. So in order to do that self-check, lay out for us some of the characteristics of an effective listener. Well, most people are going to think about things like what's now termed active listening, which we know has been very watered down over the years, which means like make eye contact, make sure you repeat what you hear, all the kind of white knuckling stuff that says, I'm paying attention to you. Yeah, That's a step in the right direction, but to me, that's that's woefully underachieving. So good listening is really about understanding the meaning of the message and the person, not just the words they say. So listening and, and having good listening skills is a process of discovery. What are we going to find out, the hidden treasure in mm-hmm. the conversation? So that's what good listening looks like. Now, I don't expect that people know how to do that, but there's still a goal. I, I know people are goal-oriented. But there's they a get promise the in that, though. Yeah, but, but there's a promise in that. That's really kind of a hopeful promise. Hey, if you can just take a look at what you're going to find out. I read this. Journalists have to listen well because they have to write the story, right? So they have to listen to get the story in a way that they can message it and articulate it. So that is what we're doing. We're, we're journalistically yeah. gathering the story not only the story arc, but the meaning and the moral of the story so that we can then tell you the story back that you just told me. Yeah. You're mentioning some of the parts of that. Oftentimes when I'm working with folks all, you know, the couples particularly, you know, we kind of tend to talk and looking at a newspaper article, we tend to talk in headlines and we're kind of assuming that they're the person being the mind reader that we believe they are, or that they should just get it if you love me, or you should just know this because that's what everybody knows. They don't fill in their story. So as listeners, sometimes I'll say, hey, this is a headline that your partner just said. I love what you just said. Journalists are really good at this. Go go ask them to write their story. Ask questions. Be curious what and how and 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 be curious. And you also emphasize something too that I think is is worthwhile. Hearing what is said and also what is not said. Expand that a little bit. Well, you know, on some level we know most communication, most people know communication is nonverbal too, right? So but 93% of it is nonverbal if you count intonation. So it's what you say, it's how you say it, it's the body language, it's the facial expressions, but we hone in on words and we only hear 25% of what's said and retain 25% of that. So our words are way down. So, <laughs> right. so we have to, so I say, listen, you have to listen with your ears, eyes, and heart. So the ears is for the auditory, the eyes is for what are you saying to me without using words? And the heart is how can I feel what you feel? So we're we're going beyond just using our ears, a big part of it. And your he- I, let me. I think what you're saying about the headline is so important. I'm, I'd like to frame that up in the listening path terms, if I could, Please. for you, because the path is the path to understanding. And so I believe anytime you're talking to someone, they're telling you a story. The problem is they lead with a snippet, which is what I call the middle of the movie. So on the path, there's four parts to a story. There's a beginning, a struggle, a tipping point, and a new beginning, all right? Where does your story go? In daily life, in business, in relationships, most people are in the struggle when they start. They give a headline one piece. This is how we teach this. One piece of the struggle, and most people go forward because they can't wait to solve the problem or find out the ending of the movie. When in fact, you really need to get all four stops of that movie. Sometimes people don't have a new beginning. You're helping them in your work with them as a couple to get to a better new beginning. You're part of the tipping point. But if you don't deeply understand the struggle and or the beginning of the movie, you're really missing the point. So just like if you went to the theater and started watching a movie in the middle, you'd be confused and what's happening, who are the characters and why is this happening? 
that's every marriage that I've ever seen. We're in the struggle and, you know, we're going, what, what, what's going on? And we're disoriented because people lead with the middle of the movie and we think they're at the beginning. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. You also talk about the importance and the benefit of identifying your persona, your mm. listening persona. Expand yeah. that for us. So just just like the brain has a conscious and subconscious, the, the enemy of that story that's going off in your head is what persona do you take on? So a very common thing we do, and we don't even know it, is we become a defense attorney that has a witness on the stand sure. that we ask to get the story in a way that really shapes the narrative that we're looking for rather than allowing the story to come to us. And it's, again, because we don't have the right tools, we, we know we're supposed to be curious, but what we're curious about isn't necessarily what the person wants us to be curious about. And that's how we shape the narrative. So that defense attorney takes over. What we have to do with the tools is let go of him and let that, that curious detective arise. And then the story comes to you. This is how empathy starts to happen. Yeah. Yes. Really good. So let's shift a little bit and let's take all of this good stuff we're talking about and weave it into what you've done. You've trademarked a proven system of listening to understand called the listening path. It's a usable guide to effective conversations through the emphasis really being like we're talking about on listening. Share with us, if you would, the listening path and its six main tools for successful listening. Yeah. So I wrote about the first six tools in the, in the book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? There's actually 12 tools that we teach to organizations, every, everything from listening to understand to how do you tell a story when you're making your point to how do you pivot from listener to teller. Understanding and listening to understand earns you the right to do other things. And that's that's a big part of this, which is why it's the power of understanding to switch. The main tools and what we need to do fundamentally to get that understanding is we have to follow that path. And so, as I said, it's really the path to the story. So when you're learning to listen, you're actually learning to be a storyteller, by the way. They're, they're the good. same skill. So we're learning messaging as well as listening. I don't believe you can tell the right story until you understand the story you need to tell based on what the person or audience needs. So that's part of why listening comes first. But the first tool is to have your map. So that's what you're looking at behind me. Yes. And it's really the map to the story. And so I already shared with you, the first tool is the map. There's two parts on the map, two ingredients you need to gather, which are facts and feelings. Because like stories, there's two parts of the narrative. There are facts and there are feelings that the characters have or the characters. So you have to get both. And then there's those four stops. That's the second tool on the listening path. By the way, the, the, the analogy, just to take you back, is you wouldn't go hiking in the woods without tools or supplies in your backpack. And we go into the conversational woods all the time unprepared. So these are the tools for your backpack that help you listen to understand. So you have your map, you get your facts and your feelings, you have your four stops to the story. So now you know there's a path that I have to get all four of those stops. But then how do you travel that path? Because our brains are the enemy. So what soothes the brain is really what we call the compass, which is how do I point the speaker in the right direction to get all the story elements that I need? And those six questions are, are part of the compass. And those are the questions that journalists use. So they are, take me back to the beginning. Tell me more. How did that make you feel? Then what happened? Hmm, which is what you've done already with me today. That's another tell me more. Or it sounds like you felt or feel. So there's four situational questions, fact questions, and two feeling questions. And if you use only those six questions, you're guaranteed to get gather everything on the map. That's so good. 
That's so good. I wish for those listeners that can't see, there's this beautiful picture behind Christine. It looks like Christopher Robin's Winnie the Pooh's kind of forest and these different paths along the way. And just absolutely beautiful. I trust that's in your book. And you also talked, to, I don't want to jump ahead here, but you talked about making this into a board game and getting kids excited early on. Like you said, why not learn it at five rather than 45? Right, right. Yeah, we've developed the story of a listening path through animated videos. Starting in the first grade, we're going to launch at the end of the first quarter in 2024, where we're going to teach the ABCs of listening with these tools. And there's a there's a way to incorporate it with the parents, the teachers, and the students in, in short 15-minute lessons that teachers can incorporate in the classroom. So the videos tell the story for the kids, and animated Christine comes in and helps them understand how to listen to understand. We're very excited. And then the board came comes in at fifth grade that they can practice really sharing stories and using all the tools together. Very nice. Very nice. You know, maybe you can kind of help me massage this question a little bit here. And it's just a curious one for me personally. You know, you encourage folks to listen to understand and you emphasize the cost of not listening, you know, but what is the potential cost of getting to a place where you truly understand another person? What's that going to require of me? You know, I, I'd like to think not as much as you'd think. So we're able to help people start listening differently in half a day, believe it or not, profoundly, where, you know, if we do a two-parter, are transformational from in terms of I had a conversation with my my 16-year-old, I haven't gotten an unelicited hug in, in three years, and I got an unelicited hug from a father, or a woman who worked at a pharmaceutical company that talked about, you know, she was in the cancer drug business and her best friend had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and the doctors wanted her to go through chemo. And this, she said, normally I would have gone in and just told her what to do and solved her problem. I, I know this space. I'm okay. Instead, I went in to listen and she came to her own decisions about the last six months of her life. And she was just in one half a day, That's these so kind of conversations pivot. So it's really putting time on task. Once you learn the tools, you just have to implement them. That's the hardest part, right? It's the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. But the process of listening, I promise you, is simple. The hard part is just practicing. It, yeah. But there's all kinds of ways to do it in life. And the rewards are there because if the more you listen, the more you you learn, the more you gain. I really like that piece because I gain more understanding of you as I listen more. And I come to understand things that you know, broaden my contextual understanding and a meaning of you that really enriches what we get to have now from that listening process. I can also see some of the challenge though of, you know, what if in the process of listening, I realize that I don't get to have my way? Or maybe if we're talking about maybe like a diagnostic situation where you might choose a course in your medical treatment that I would kind of hope you wouldn't. Because I would, maybe I, I want you around a little bit more, but maybe you're saying, you know, you want to go into hospice now. And I understand all the reasons as to why from my questioning rather than my providing direction and what the best thing is. I might have to accept some things that are really hard, but I'm forced to grow. It's hard not to want to control things that are out of our control. And so that's painful for us, I think. And the difference is it's mutual. She came to a mutual decision with her friend because she was part of the what the friend discovered she needed yes. and she helped her discover it when you help somebody make that discovery you don't feel slighted you feel like you did something amazing yeah. but because they came to something that makes them feel 
better or you've bared witness yeah. to pain that you can't fix anyway. And that in itself is a gift. So that's the beautiful that's well thing said. about listening differently. Yeah. Yeah, Thank that's you. Well, so you're left holding both, but there's a beauty in understanding it from that other person's perspective in a way that they get to author and have agency over their life and their decisions and the and 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 how you help facilitate that and maybe ways others couldn't. Talking about facilitating all that, I, I know you've taught and implemented your listening program system or listening path system at Fortune 100 corporations, universities, law firms, privately held companies nationwide. What does success look like in the folks? that you're working with at these levels? We just finished with a, a client last week and it was so exciting that when, you know, what I hear is that they have a different language in the organization. So I would, I used to go in and solve a lot of problems and conflicts. And the, the interesting thing was the problem was always the same. They didn't understand each other. Like they, it, it's once you get to that level, the problems solve themselves. So now they're able to do that on their own in a way, meetings become different, you know, derailing things get different. So when there's that common language that happens, that's why we say we we help create cultures of empathy and understanding because once you have the language and, and a common language, then people are self-sufficient and they can grow on their own. So it's really fun to see what people discover with each other in their personal lives as well as their professional lives. It's really, and then the business comes too, of course. That's a good reminder right there. You know, once you understand what's going on and, and and you're able to listen to understand it's almost like you know you you're you're able to free up you know what 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 the block is and with that understanding you get to almost emancipate all the inherent potential that is there and the problem's going to solve itself but it's just blocked by maybe misunderstanding not listening all the other, all the other pieces that come into play once that's removed man watching that growth take place has got to be encouraging and motivating very much feel good work. And it's not that there's not struggle. You know, we have to help people because their brains are wild at first because that we're relearning something. And when I say struggle, I'm talking like an hour and a half. We'll get you over the hump, but it's <laughs> it's just pulling you over that wall. And then the rewards come very quickly. So then it becomes easy. Once you get gratified in a really profound way, then you want yeah. more of that. So so that's really what's exciting. And again, I'm I'm thrilled that it's funny because the number of parents have said to me, you know, can you help my kid listen? I think, well, <laughs> right. turn that like around. But, uh, it's like, can you train my dog? Can you help? Right. Well, it was funny when I wrote the book. You were going to dedicate the book to me. I said, do you see the title? Or are you sure you want me to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you can't really ask you for it. That's really but, good. Uh, yeah. So, but people have reached out to me. It's been very nice when they've read the book. The, the book's the guide too. Yeah. It's the tools on the path. So, we love working with people directly. We want to have that impact. But also just if you start to understand what you're looking for, that the book will help you. They said, I started using the tools and I've had different conversations. So, so you know, the guide's there for you in the book as well. I think that's wonderful. You know, we're kind of rounding the bend on our time right now. But if you would, Christine, can you speak to our listeners who, maybe because of the self-check we did earlier on the show, want to do one thing, maybe even mm -hmm. today, that can make them a better listener? What might that be? Yeah, so I'm going to say something that I said often because it's so simple. There's one question you want to have in your tool belt. It's part of the compass. And if you have nothing else to go to, do this. Even when somebody you totally disagree with, by the way, not just not loved ones. And that question is, tell me more. Tell me more. So I say it's the George Costanza of listening. You have to do the opposite. 
So the brain wants us to respond. <laughs> the brain wants to argue. The brain wants to solve. And instead of doing any of that, just simply say, tell me more and then shut up yeah. and watch what happens. Really good. Really great yeah. question. I love simplicity, but I love the simple elegance in those types of things that can really be transformative and facilitate something that you're talking about. We have access to, but we don't have time to know how to get there. You know, as we talk today, I'm excited for our listeners to hear all the things you're saying and have access to the things you're providing. So let's talk about that piece. Give us some resources. Where can they learn more about you and your book? What is it costing you not to listen? The power of understanding to connect, influence, solve, and sell. First of all, in the, the realm of understanding, as someone who's dyslexic, are the books available in all formats? Because you want your book the way you can digest it. So softback, audible, and, and auditory, audible. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, major outlets, we're on the website. And the best way, the company's equipped, EQ, as you said, UIPT, easiest way to find us is called The Listening Path. Just Google The Listening Path. That's on social media as well as on you know the website. So, And you'll find how to access it. We put out content that helps parents, business leaders all the time. Fantastic. Well, Christina, I can't I can't think of a greater gift we can give one another, nor a better way to meet one another's core need of knownness than to appreciate the importance of being a good listener. And, and just what you're telling us today. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today and pointing us in ways that we can achieve this very attainable skill. And for the work you're doing, you know, having started very young in this field, it's being known is so important. I hope to help that cause. Yeah, well, I think uh, most certainly you are. So thanks for that work. And again, thanks for being on the show. Also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Christine and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and an archive of all of our other episodes and resource materials can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. And thanks again for being with us on the show. We'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.